and welcome to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia, the publisher of Seeking Rents. That's a, a newsletter where we explore the ways big businesses and other special interests influence public policy in Florida. Uh, this is going to be just a, another quick check-in from the Florida legislature, where lawmakers are now into week four of their nine-week legislative session. And we're going to talk about just a couple of bills that move forward on day 21. Starting with um, a bill that could very well be the single most duplicitous piece of legislation in Tallahassee this year. I'm talking about uh, Senate Bill 1530 and its its House companion, House Bill 1365. These bills are about homelessness, uh, but the sponsors, whenever they're presenting them, often make a point of emphasizing what their bills don't do. Uh, the bills, they say, do not criminalize homelessness, and that's technically true. But let's talk about what these bills do do. First, uh, the legislation says that a local government, a city or a county, may not let people sleep or camp on public property, like uh, in a park or under a highway overpass, unless the local government gets a permit first. But where would you get a permit like that? Who issues it? The bill doesn't say. And the bill sponsor in the Senate yesterday could not answer that question at all. So you can't let anyone sleep on public property unless you get a permit, but no such permit exists. Okay, so so maybe you think then, well, that just means nothing's going to happen one way or another. Except here's the other big thing the bill does. It allows anyone, a person or a business, to sue a local government that lets people sleep on public property if that local government hasn't obtained one of those permits, you know, those permits that don't exist. And then and then the local government would have to pay all the attorney fees and court costs for every person who sues. So obviously a city is going to have to do something to round up people sleeping in public or else they're going to end up paying tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees or maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars. But what are they supposed to do? Like round up these folks and throw them in jail, force them into shelters against their will? Again, the bill doesn't say. Now, this bill was up yesterday in the Senate's Community Affairs Committee, and the the sponsor, Senator Jonathan Martin, a Republican from Naples, um, and a guy, by the way, who sponsored a bill last year to screw minor league baseball players out of minimum wage protections, a bill that was written by and for billionaire major league baseball owners, but I digress. Anyway, Senator Jonathan Martin couldn't even answer basic questions about this legislation. He literally had no idea how this bill, his bill, would actually work in practice. Um, at one point, he tried to wave off his inability to answer questions by claiming that this was some sort of cutting edge policy here. Um, but in his defense, there's a reason it's hard to answer questions about this bill, because even though it doesn't technically criminalize homelessness, it is totally meant to criminalize homelessness. It doesn't explicitly say that. No, it just leaves local governments with no other options. This entire bill is one big exercise in hiding the ball. And now we should probably talk about where this bill comes from. There's um, a relatively newish conservative think tank in Texas called the Cicero Institute. It was founded by some billionaire tech bro who's become a major Republican donor. He's given more than $50,000 just to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, for instance, who's also a donor to his presidential campaign. Um, and one of the main things the Cicero Institute has been doing is pushing bills in state legislatures around the country that are meant to criminalize homelessness. Um, the Cicero Institute, which has hired a lobbying firm in Florida that is run by one of Ron DeSantis's biggest fundraisers, is lobbying for this Florida bill, too. Now, 
It told the Orlando Sentinel recently that uh, it did not write this specific bill. But I will tell you, I've got some records through a public records request that show the Cicero that show the Cicero Institute sent some proposed legislation to Ron DeSantis's office earlier this year. This bill isn't exactly the same as that legislation Cicero sent to DeSantis, but it does include a couple of key ideas from it, specifically forbidding local governments from allowing people to sleep on public property and allowing people to sue any local government that does allow it. So maybe the Cicero Institute didn't write this bill, but if it didn't, this sure is a Cicero bill in spirit. Um, now, this is like so clearly a half-baked idea right now. The way it's written, a local government would have to start rounding up sunbathers who take a nap on the beach or travelers who fall asleep in the airport. Um, one of uh, one of the folks testifying against it, I, th I think from the Southern Poverty Law Center, made the point that uh, a bill like this is extra problematic because now you're opening the door to selective enforcement, right? If uh, if all these uh, normal activities that we would never think of as problematic are, are technically illegal under this, you're just going to allow folks to choose when and how to enforce it, which is a terrible idea. Um, and this bill is, is so sort of Looney Tunes right now that it just barely passed the Senate's Community Affairs Committee. The vote was four to three. But it does not look like this idea is going to go away. The sponsor of the House version of the bill is a guy named uh, Representative Sam Garrison, a Republican from near Jacksonville, and he's going to become Speaker of the State House in a few years. Um, that's probably why the House bill, on the other hand, passed its first house, first committee stop unanimously a couple of days ago. Um, and, you know, one thing that's true about the Florida legislature is as as folks are folks on leadership track are rising Ideas they take an interest early on tend to come back once they're once they're the in the big chair themselves. So we have not seen the last of this idea, I suspect. Um, but I will say, if Florida is really going to push a policy like this, it sure would be nice if lawmakers were actually honest about their intentions here and showed even like an ounce of indication that they're taking this policy seriously. Okay, let's just do one more bill for today, and and we're going to do Senate Bill 1466, which uh, passed the Senate's Banking and Insurance Committee yesterday. Um, this is actually an interesting little bill that uh, we wrote about last week on the newsletter, um, and it seems to come out of a very specific and very small stakes court case in South Florida, where um, lawyers for a couple of former tenants at an apartment complex in Miramar have uh, sued to get their um, security deposit back. Uh, here, here's the issue. So uh, Florida's landlord and tenants, tenant laws have all sorts of rules around security deposits. So for instance, a landlord is supposed to keep a tenant security deposit in a separate bank account. The, they can't commingle the money with other funds and they can't use it to make more money for themselves by you know pledging the security deposit as collateral on a loan, for instance. And, and here's the, the important thing for the purposes of this bill. That account must be at a, quote, Florida banking institution. Now, Florida's landlord and tenant laws don't actually define what counts as a Florida banking institution. Um, but the state's banking laws, which are in a, a whole other chapter of, of statute, do define a very similar term as a bank that is chartered in Florida. And that's become a problem for this this uh, South Florida apartment complex, the Catalina at Miramar, um, because it turns out they were keeping the tenants' security deposit at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, which is a federally chartered bank that is not 
chartered in the state of Florida. Um, and that's putting the apartment complex uh, and the company that owns it at risk of, of not only having to pay back the security deposit but uh, and interest, but also attorney fees and costs that could add up to like tens of thousands of dollars or, or a few thousand dollars at minimum, you know, on a $500 security deposit. Um, and, and so this is where Senate Bill 1466 comes in. The bill would add a single sentence to those landlord and tenant laws that explicitly allows landlords to keep security deposits in national banks like J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, and it would uh, presumably uh, resolve this dispute in in the landlord's favor. Um, now, uh, sort of on one level, this might seem like a ticky-tack foul. Obviously, there's uh, J.P. Morgan is pretty reputable, and it's not hard to find a, a J.P. Morgan in Florida. Um but I did. I actually talked to the the attorney leading representing the tenants in that that lawsuit, and he sort of made the case that this was an an anti tenant chain, uh, an anti tenant change, and and the reason for that is um, th this attorney said that like some landlords will routine, routinely flout the rules around security deposits, you know, actually mixing the money with other funds or or stat and then stashing it in an interest bearing account and keeping the interest for themselves. But he said to prove that. Tenants and their attorneys need to be able to access bank records, and he said, um, he said uh, that getting those bank records will become a lot harder if uh, if landlords are keeping them at like J.P. Morgan or Bank of America rather than say you know first first Bank of Wachula or something like that. Um, you know, I I can see some logic to that. I I can also certainly buy the argument that you know it's just a lot easier for landlords to keep the keep security deposits at. At Bank of America or, or SunTrust or I guess Truist, right? Um, I, I'm not so concerned. I'm not. I'm not so sure how if this really is anti-consumer or if it's you know your mileage might may vary there. But but what makes this interesting is is the genesis of this because that uh, the apartment complex in this case seems to have a very influential owner. Florida Crystals, the big sugar giant. Um, it turns out that Florida Crystals has a uh, multifamily subsidiary that owns a few thousand apartments around South Florida, uh, and including um, this uh, the apartment complex that's being sued in this case. Um, this is one of those uh, stories that to me just sort of crystallize kind of whose problems the Florida legislature chooses to solve. You know, Florida Crystals is a company that has uh, literally spent more than $1 million since just since the last session ended on campaign contributions in Florida. Um, I will say that uh, that the the sponsor of the bill in the Senate, Senator Aaron Grawl, a Republican from Vero Beach, has said in testimony that uh, this bill would not be retroactive in that meaning it would not affect this particular lawsuit right now. Um, but I am uh, not so sure of that. And, and the reason I say that is uh, the legislature actually did something just very similar to this last year involving uh, power companies. Uh, it passed a bill that essentially made it much more difficult, if not impossible, to sue a uh, power company for failures um, to adequately prepare for for a hurricane, and then you know essentially blaming power companies for for negligence causing widespread power outages. Um, and th this seems to have come out of a, a case, a class action suit against Florida Power and Light out of uh, hurricane stemming from Hurricane Irma. Now. There was nothing explicitly retroactive in that legislation last year either, but uh, Florida Power and Light is right now using that that new law to try and get that class action suit uh, dismissed. Um, 
And I see no reason whatsoever why you wouldn't expect um, Florida Crystals to do the exact same thing with this new security deposit. So anyway, like I said, the the policy itself, I, I could probably go either way on, um, but, uh, but it is just sort of a, a revealing window into sort of what motivates Florida lawmakers into action sometimes. Okay, uh, we're going to leave it there for uh, for today. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with another daily update. Um, we'll end with uh, the usual plug, and that is, if you haven't already, please consider signing up for our newsletter. Now, the easiest way to find us is at SeekingRentsFL.com. Subscriptions are free. None of our stories are behind paywalls, but there is an option to voluntarily pay for a subscription uh, if you can afford to do it. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you soon.